Session Two: The Present State of Poetry, October twenty-third, nineteen sixty-six. Now today, uh, I've got several really crazy things that I wanted to talk about. I want to get around to talking about Milton as a classic poet. And I want to talk today, as we get a little further into this, I may speak a little bit about what classicism in literature is, what is a classic, and what is classic literature. But before that, as usual, I'm going to do exactly the opposite, and I'm going to talk about the present state. Uh, one aspect of the present state of poetry, and I'm going to talk about. Something that I've mentioned before: anti-poems or anti-poetry, and I may even read some specimens of some anti-poetry. Now, the problem, one of the problems of poetry in the modern world, is that you are dealing with worn-out materials. See, as soon as you enter into the realm of poetic speech. You enter into the realm of what has been used up, see, and as soon as you start dealing with even what is recognized as a recognizable poetic experience, you are dealing with something that people don't have, see. So that if you write poetry on the basis of some poetic experience that you've had, you are entering into a special world where nobody lives, where nobody cares to go, and where even you do not belong. Nobody belongs there because it's not real. See,、uh, we are living in a world in which the experience of ordinary life and the experience of poetry and so forth are、uh, apparently incompatible. Now, when I say poetry, I mean the poetry that we have been traditionally accustomed to. See,、uh, and this is not nothing new. This goes back to the end of the 19th century or the middle of the 19th century when people. Like Baudelaire, Rambo, and people like that, began systematically exploding the framework of ordinary poetic experience and poetic expression. See, and the great man in this is Rambo, an enormous, wonderful poet, a most disedifying young man, whom you will not profit by his his life would not be read in the refectory with much profit or edification. But he was a very wonderful person. But he systematically exploded the、uh, such containers as were floating around to contain poetry, and produced a complete.、Uh, he was,、uh, I would say, the first of the anti-poets. See, and he produced wonderful poetry by producing what was systematically unpoetic, according to the ideas of the time. And this,、uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, implies a a fundamental attitude towards life, a kind of a、uh, systematic refusal to say anything that you don't mean, or to appear to say anything that you don't mean. But but that doesn't mean to say an attitude of strictly keeping to、uh, factual statements or something like that. You could, this can imply all sorts of outrageous statements. Provided that the question of whether you mean it or not is not too clearly involved, see. For example, it is possible to simply, as I will try to show in a minute, to take the gooky language that floats around and simply、uh, take it and make 
something completely stupid out of it with which any hero or reader can construct his own poetic or anti-poetic or whatever you like experience with common junky materials. See? And this is the same kind of thing. Of course, you see, now, all this sort of stuff is very much publicized in the visual arts. And people are very scandalized by it, and they're, they always, they're always, they've got their hands up in the air about these silly artists and all that stuff. These artists who go around and, and visit the various junk piles and gather all the junk they can together and weld it together in some kind of a weird construction, see. Well, this is a very good thing to do. This is honest modern art, see. But since it is not art, and since it's got nothing to do with the representation of anything, and since it is definitely not beautiful, or rather it is systematically anti-beautiful with a capital B, people are scandalized by it, see. And the people who are scandalized by it are people who never, in, under any stretch of the imagination, would ever be interested in any art anyway, see. But they are, <laughs> they take it upon themselves to be scandalized at this kind of a project. Now the same sort of thing is done in poetry, the same sort of thing is done in the theater. There is a whole theater which you would be very interested in, and perhaps sometimes I will comment on some of that, we'll talk about some of this theater, the so-called theater of the absurd. See. Now, perhaps the best known play in this theater of the absurd, well, after waiting for Godot, that's the best, but the best known play in the theater of the absurd, in a kind of a, uh, in the history of it, and uh, to, uh, to show how the thing develops, is a play called The Ball Soprano by a man called a Romanian gentleman by the name of Eugene Ionesco. Now this play, the ball, there, there is in the library, hidden somewhere, and it should be on view. Hey, have you got the, have you seen that book on the Ball Soprano? This should be available, because it is a, it's an extraordinary book. It's a picture book, it's a comic book, 